The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks always to our valued sponsors making this thing possible all across the state. So, Bubba, uh, you know, we're talking to people all the time about their money and their financial lives, and we look at their estate plan and their tax planning and how they should be involved in their 401k and what they ought to do for the kids' college. And, you know, sometimes we get all the way down to this important thing called diversification. Mm -hmm. Now... What does that really mean? And it's mean? not that we get down to it later on. I mean, it's always at the forefront. Yeah, but you get deep. Yeah. You have to get deep to really talk diversification. Because, you, you know, most people think they're diversified if they own two stocks. Mm -hmm. Or if they have a little cash in the bank and they bring you all their other money to put in Apple. Mm -hmm. huh? That's diversified. Oh, yeah. What does it really mean? What, what are we talking about when we talk about diversity? So we always hear the, the age-old adage, don't carry all your eggs in one basket. Right. You know, you probably heard that from your grandmother. Mm -hmm. You heard somebody say that. What does it really mean, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're carrying around all your eggs in one basket mm -hmm. and you fall, mm -hmm. good likelihood that you're going to break a number of eggs. Not a pretty sight. Not a pretty sight. No. It's kind of ugly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, you've lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why not have a bunch of different baskets that you can carry your eggs in and have other people carry your baskets? Oh, now that, that second point mm -hmm. you made about other people carrying baskets. Because mm -hmm. if I take all my eggs and I put them in different baskets, but I'm still the one carrying them, yeah. and I trip and fall, I've done basically the same thing as having them all in one basket. And, and it may even be worse, uh, right? If you've got 30 different baskets loaded up on your arms, you know, how are you going to make it down the sidewalk doing that? Yeah, I, I may have increased my likelihood mm -hmm. that I'm going to fall. But I need to have other people toting these baskets, right? Yes, you do. And some of these people are, uh, are growth stock managers, and some of them are mid-cap managers, and some of them are small-cap tech people and, and bonds and, and whatever. They're alternative investments. Yeah. That I also have. Mm -hmm. What what are these alternative investments possibly? They're they're non traditional asset classes. Okay. So let me let me explain what that means. Um, uh, you, you hear sometimes maybe commodities, mm -hmm. uh, grains, mm -hmm. coffee futures, mm -hmm. gold, platinum, right, corn, pork bellies, pork bellies right, right, right. right. Th those would be alternative asset classes. Okay. Um, timber would be an alternative asset. Real estate is an alternative asset class. Okay. All right. Uh, some would say that uh, that hedge funds mm -hmm. could be an, uh, considered an alternative asset class. Private equity. Private equity All would be. Those things, other right. than stocks and bonds. Mm -hmm. Now, I may not know anything about any of that stuff you just talked about. Commodities mm -hmm. and pork bellies and grain futures and real estate and timber and private equity. I may not know anything about that. 
do I maybe need it anyway, whether I know about it or not? Yeah. I mean, do you know everything there is to know about the stock market? Yeah. Or about what's in my Coke. Or the bond market. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, or what, what, what are the ingredients in my bologna? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily know all that. I probably don't know all the chemical makeup of my sinus pill that right. I took this morning. But I'm doing it because mm-hmm. I've been told by somebody I trust that I need to do that. Right. So you and I, as we try to help people manage their investments, and we try to find these other people to tote their eggs, use... Who? Uh, primarily different fund managers mm-hmm. or investment managers. Okay. You know, somebody that has a particular expertise in an area. Did you bring one of those people with you today? We did. Really? Uh, who, and, who is this in this in the studio with us? So um, I'm glad to announce and, and bring on as a guest mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy, and everybody's seen the movie A Night at the Roxbury, <laughs> right? You're not going to do this. I'm going to do it, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can't do it because yeah. it's kind of fun. But, yeah. you know, Chris Kattan. So if you could picture, uh, picture a taller, uh, better-looking Chris Kattan. Okay. This is Newman Rossi. Okay. Yeah. So, no, such no. a compliment. Thank yeah. you, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Newman Rossi with Blue Rock, yeah. right? Yeah. Newman Rossi Blue Rock. All right. So what do you do for us, Newman Rossi? Uh, Blue Rock is a publicly traded uh, investment manager. Mm-hmm. What we do is traditionally is offer exactly the asset classes you're talking about. Is to mm-hmm. where you have most clients, most people have stocks, they have bonds mm-hmm. in their portfolio, mm-hmm. and frankly, you know when stocks go up, bonds are bonds are supposed to stay even. Mm-hmm. Bonds go down. Mm-hmm. Uh, when stocks go down, excuse me, bonds are supposed to go up. They're supposed mm-hmm. to operate in inverse correlation. We mm-hmm. offer a third asset class. If you're thinking of a slice of a pie, mm-hmm. basically a smaller slice of the pie, but to act as a buffer between the two. Oh, okay. And what is in that third asset class that Blue Rock does well with? Well, what we do extremely well with is real estate. Mm. Because if you think of all the commodities, hedge funds, the timber, there's only one real asset class that I think people own everyday people own outside of their general investment portfolio. And what we find is Mm -hmm. that when they own a rental property is that Mm -hmm. they have to deal with a lot of tenants, Mm -hmm. trash, Mm -hmm. toilets, and give away their time. Mm -hmm. So what we're able to offer them is a fully diversified portfolio. When I say fully diversified, uh, meaning industrial, multifamily, self-storage, data centers, a small amount of office, and even smaller amount of retail. Okay. Uh, but all U.S. Okay. So we are able to offer them the same benefits of collecting a rent check, mm-hmm. getting paid an income stream mm-hmm. without having to deal with the tenants, trash, toilets, or give away their time. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's break that down a little bit. Um, Who is Blue Rock yeah. to begin with? Yeah. Sure. Blue Rock, uh, we are a, you know, like I said, publicly traded company out of uh, New York, California. I am based in Memphis, Tennessee. Trades under the ticker BRG. Yeah. We've been around since 2001. Yeah. Uh, and offered $8.4 billion so far of investable real estate out to the market, guys. $8 billion with a B? With a B. Okay. And you said it's in various kinds of real estate. A little bit of retail and, uh, and some data storage, that sort of thing. And then a little industrial, a little bit of office, industrial, 
Go through that list again of, of the kinds of real estate you guys manage. Sure. Uh, industrial, what I say by industrial is I mean warehouses. I mean mm. uh, distribution centers mm. and distribution hubs. And, uh, you know, one thing about last year and why we feel so strongly and roughly 40% of our holdings right now are industrial is because is we all used Amazon to mm -hmm. order online mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. Well, now my 76-year-old mother, my 82-year-old aunt, they have all learned to use Amazon. <laughs> and that once two-day delivery goes to three and four days, mm -hmm. and you combine that with the society we live in of instant gratification and wanting it and wanting it now. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to industrial has very long legs. You well, have to... We're really deep into talking about real estate here. We're up against a break and we come back with Newman Rossi with Blue Rock. We're going to continue this discussion and uh, hopefully you'll understand how diversification really works from the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Bubba Labus and yours truly Greg Cooley with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So Bubba, we're talking about uh, real estate and diversification through real estate here with our guest Newman Rossi from uh, Blue Rock. Um, you know, real estate, if you think about it, for most individuals, right, mm -hmm. the, the, the average person out there is already part of their portfolio, whether they know it or not. Yeah, because they and have a house, right? And many times it's one of the largest portions of their portfolio if they own a home. Yeah, their personal savings, their investments. Right. Uh, for a lot of people, their home is their largest investment. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so th this is not a foreign concept, I think, that we're coming up with here. Oh, no. No, Newman's not trying to talk you into buying marijuana futures or no. something like that. No. Right? He, he's already talking to you about something that you're comfortable with. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's, it's as America and as apple mm -hmm. pie, we all believe in real estate, but have and, we consciously thought about it? Well, and I would describe it this way. Mm -hmm. Why do you own any investment at all? And I've said mm -hmm. this before on the show. Mm -hmm. It's for income. Mm -hmm. Whether you want uh, your stocks to grow and you sell them and take income later, mm -hmm. or if you want dividends off of them, or if you're growing trees and you cut them later for income, or you've got farmland mm -hmm. and you're leasing it out to somebody and taking the income off of it, mm -hmm. all investments are, are about income. So I can get income out of my real estate, Newman. Is that right? That is correct. You guys uh, manage it with that in mind? My my fund manages that that being our, our main concern, our main objective is okay. to deliver at least five and a quarter percent income to your clients. Okay, okay. So in real terms, if somebody had a hundred thousand dollars, five and a quarter percent is five thousand two hundred and fifty dollars, right? That is correct. Per year. Per year. It's not bad. Now, what happens to my $100,000? It's buying shares of your company? Uh, it buys shares of our fund. So okay. you're, at, you're buying a share into 4,300 properties all over the U.S. You're collecting those rents mm -hmm. as well as you're getting a beat for inflation. And what I mean by saying that is yeah. on top of your five and a quarter, mm -hmm. your account value is going to grow. Because we expect the real estate to go up. Is that one of the reasons you bought the house where you bought your house, Bubba? You bought it in a location that you yeah. felt like you got a good deal. Mm -hmm. And in 15, 20 years, whenever you're going to sell it, you think it's going to go up in value. Yeah. So typically you like to buy the worst house on the best block, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Is, is that uh, what your portfolio managers are doing at Blue Rock? They're looking for deals, like in the industrial, where you, you said uh, a certain portion of the portfolio is in industrial. Are they looking for that? So, no, we uh-huh. are looking for the tip-top, highly stabilized. Our biggest our biggest objective is mm-hmm. to protect your principal. Uh-huh. That first $100,000 you invested with us, yeah. we want to protect that. Pay okay. you an income on top of it. Okay. And get you a little bit extra. So the way you protect it is by quality. Tip top quality. Yep. Okay. All right. So you're not taking as much of a risk as Bubba was when he bought his fixer upper house. Right. No, we're we're investing at the top of the food chain. When I say when I mentioned industrial before, seventy five percent of those industrial centers I was talking about are leased by either Amazon or Walmart. Uh, those are pretty good strong yeah, companies, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're gonna do a pretty good job of paying their rent. Yeah. Speaking of the rent, so let's say that you have a distribution center for Amazon and they're supposed to pay you, I'm just throwing out a number, $10,000 a week. I don't know what the number is, but I'm just throwing it out. Next next year, they're going to pay you a little more? Do you have some kind of contractual thing where they have to escalate what they pay you? That That's correct. So mm-hmm. there is several different contract, contractual obligations. Is it one, we have built-in rent increases. Okay. Two, we also have it tied to, again, interest rates and inflation. So mm-hmm. to protect us as the rentee, mm-hmm. renting out to the rentor, is that we can protect our income stream mm-hmm. no matter what happens in the marketplace. So there's a contract that all these people oh, have correct. to sign. Absolutely. Yeah, probably more than a page or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd say, you know, between two uh, uh, companies that are traded on Wall Street, this contract is probably something that's been really looked over by, by some uh, uh, analysts and some attorneys. Correct. It's good. I'm going to throw out a term here mm. and, and, and ask about this because I want to have it explained a little bit better. Triple net. Uh-huh. You hear of a triple net lease. Yeah. Um, so many times with triple net leases, taxes are the responsibility of the tenant. Insurance is a responsibility of the tenant. Uh, so you've got a number of things that are wrapped up, right? That the owner of the property does not pay for, right? Mm. So in this case, are your properties, are they triple net or do you, does, is there a combination of the two? It's a combination of the two. Just depending on the property and the circumstances associated with it. Correct. All right. So let's really make this clear for those people who are listening. All right. So if I rent a rent house from Bubba Mm -hmm. and I do it in the traditional sense, I expect him as the landlord to keep it maintained. I expect him to pay the insurance. I expect him to pay the taxes. All I'm paying is just the use of the property for the next year for $500 a month. That's not triple net. He's still net responsible for all that stuff. However, if I rent a distribution center from you guys at Blue Rock, and you guys say, this is going to be a triple net thing. This is what we, you know, we're the owners and we want you, Mr. Walmart, to pay when there's maintenance issues. We want you to pay the taxes. We want you, does that happen a lot? I think that the easiest way to explain it is mm-hmm. owner operator, mm-hmm. right? Is it you're the owner and the operator of the property. We okay. serve as the owner collecting okay. the rent mm-hmm. in a lot of circumstances, not as the operator. Okay. So we're not responsible for the overhead, the expenses that come out of our pocket. We're concerned about rent, 
in where our building is standing. Also, speaking back to that contract, yeah. there is a upkeep cost. But basically, we we're allowed to determine if the building you know needs any kind of structural upgrades, further protecting mm -hmm. your assets, your money. Yeah, and when you don't have to pay for all of that operator stuff, that means that the rent goes to your bottom line much more quickly, right? It goes straight to your pocket. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice thing. So, Bubba, go back to that first point we were making about diversification. Uh, many people think, you know, they buy a couple stocks. They maybe have a bond fund, mm -hmm. have a little bit of cash in a CD, and they own a home. That's kind of the typical American's portfolio, yeah, right? absolutely it is. Is it um, a challenge to tell people they need to formally own some real estate that is professionally managed? You know, I think many times when you've got clients that come in, they're relying on your expertise and your judgment. Mm -hmm. um, and in portfolio construction, there there's so much more that goes into that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and whether it be stocks, whether it be bonds, whether it be cash, mm -hmm. you know, alternative investments that we're talking about here, mm -hmm. um, I, I think that's the responsibility of the advisor, if nothing else, just to expose a client to it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Say, look, this is an asset class. This is how this typically performs mm -hmm. uh, in any given scenario, mm -hmm. up and or down. I mean, uh, we remember 2008, right? Ooh, yeah. We had a, a financial crisis and, and, uh, and housing crisis in America. Mm -hmm. um, well, during that time frame, what happened to real estate? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you were a buyer of real estate, then it was probably a good time to be buying it, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. it was on sale. If you mm -hmm. were an owner of real estate, maybe you'd had to hold on to it a little bit longer. Right. So it, it, it's not that real estate is impervious to downturns in the market by any means. No, right. But when you add it to an overall portfolio, I think that it, uh, well, not that I think, but I know that it lowers your overall volatility. Gotcha. All right, so your total account, right. you don't see it as volatile if you just put Correct. all that in one stock. Yeah. All right, so Blue Rock, Newman, um, been around how long? We've been around since 2001. The fund did, yeah. has been around since 2012. Okay. The index we're discussing or the, the, the institutional private equity real estate has mm -hmm. been tracked back to 1978. 1978. And so we have statistics there and analytics that can prove the point that Bubba just made. So correct. As Bubba was saying, since 1978, mm -hmm. you would have had 39 years where you ended up with a smile at the end of the year and a positive on your statement. Okay. Four years where it was a frown. 93 and 94. Okay. 08, 09. Okay. Yep. And when you say... And that was the recession of 93 and 94. <laughs> 93 and 94 yeah. were the savings and loan crisis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you would have been down roughly in, in this fund by 3 and by 4%, not excluding the income you did receive throughout the year. Oh, really? In 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. as opposed to your stock portfolio, the S&P was down 63. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. MSCI, the publicly traded... U.S. read index was down 70%, 69%. This would have been down roughly from your top to your bottom, 20%. Oh, all right. So, And how quickly did it come back and get positive? Like 2010? Moving through the second half of 2009 and into 2010, you would have then been back in the positive. So I think that's more of the analogy of if you have a dollar, you have four quarters, Yeah. you lose two of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Got to yeah. make 100% to get back to even. If you lose right. less, you have less to get back to. Less distance to correct. get back to black, right? Right. And along the way, uh, you collected the rents. Correct. You right. the income. Right. Uh, we're up against another break here at the Advisors Roundtable. Uh, we're going to continue this discussion with Newman Rossi and Blue Rock on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio with Newman Rossi and Blue Rock. Greg, Newman, yeah. we talk a, you know, a lot, and especially nowadays, you can see it on the interwebs and on the Facebox machine about uh, real estate, right? And I heard a story uh, just two weeks ago, I think, about uh, individuals who decided to sell their home. And right now there's very low inventory, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm relating this to residential real estate, but I think it would, would you know, expand on, on some other categories and areas. Uh, but this particular transaction had five other or four other transactions associated with it. So in other words, I, I got ready to sell my house and I had another one that I wanted to buy, but they had to sell their house mm-hmm. in order to buy another one. And then they had to sell their house mm-hmm. in order to buy another one. And then somebody else was moving to town to buy their house. It's right? a domino effect. Domino effect. And any one of those pieces could have fallen apart, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, dislodged the whole deal for five different homes being sold, yeah. right? I bet there were some real estate brokers that were... Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Crossing their fingers, yeah. Right, uh, right, right. Um, but you know, you say that and, and you look at the current real estate environment that on a residential level, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how on fire it seems like the, would be a good term to use, mm-hmm. you know, and it's basically due to lack of demand. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to throw that back over to, to Newman here and say, is now a good time to buy real estate? Well, on the residential side, the, it's basically a lack, a lack of supply, right? Yeah. Right. 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 right too right. much demand. Right, is what right, I meant to right, say. Right. Right. All right. So, on the the industrial side, what you guys have in your portfolio, Newman, is this a good time to own? Good time to buy? Good time to be in this business? You know, I get this question a lot, and it's a great question when speaking about residential, uh, and then how it relates to industrial mm-hmm. multifamily self-storage data centers mm-hmm. office and, and frankly is that real estate has if you were to take out the google machine right and, and look up what does well in inflation what asset classes that you're gonna find gold you're gonna find commodities well really they're trading tools to yeah. protect your spending power okay and every single time you're gonna find real estate mm-hmm. so right now in today's current environment is it's pretty tough to find workers to go out and build a house. Right. Pretty mm-hmm. tough to find wood. Pretty mm-hmm. tough to find copper. Mm-hmm. So the supply is not meeting the demand mm-hmm. uh, on the residential side. This the same can be said for within the commercial side is that there's not a ton of new construction going up. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that means is that is it a good time? Is it not a good time? Is it you know? I guess what we were discussing on the break, it's pretty tough to find income these days, mm-hmm. period. And, uh, you know, banks not paying you anything. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's I, true. It never could be more true. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we're not picking on the banks. No, we're it's, not. It's, it's it, just a matter of fact, right? Well, you know, I, yeah, the, the Fed kind of sets <laughs> that up for them. Yeah. And, and it's it is not, what it their is. hands are tied. They, they really, want to pay you Really? Money. Right. They want to keep it there, but it, 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 it's tough. And mm-hmm. it's tough to go out and find a, 
you know, a local bond or a municipal bond with tax efficiency mm-hmm. uh, that, that really pays you a great income stream. It's just becoming tougher than it was 10 years ago. Right. Yeah. So saying, is it a good time to buy real estate? Is it real estate is poised as a general, as a whole, in mm-hmm. a broad statement, is poised to do extremely well in, in rising rate environments. Mm-hmm. The Fed decided to finally rise rates. We're mm-hmm. poised to do well in inflationary environments. If mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. a loaded, yeah, it's a loaded. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's coming. Um, and we also do, as you said before, is that really the fund does not move a whole lot in the sense of volatility. It's collect your income, get a beat for inflation, collect a couple pennies a day is, you know, what you see in your mm-hmm. account. But uh, right now could not be a more appropriate time, I think, to add real estate to a well-diversified portfolio. Great. Well, and, and I see that from from another level as well, right? Mm-hmm. So um, right now, when you look at diversification, what has performed well over the last two years, year and a half? Mm-hmm. Stocks have, right? right? Mm-hmm. Bonds have held pretty flat and haven't really done a whole lot over that time period. Right. But if you've done really well in a particular asset class, what do they always say? Uh-oh. Sell some of your winners <laughs> and buy some things that you don't already own for diversification's mm-hmm. sake, right? Mm-hmm. So I would be willing to bet that many of the portfolios out there that have been constructed, mm-hmm. their equity positions have gone up uh, proportionately higher than and the remainder of their uh, their other be. holdings. Yeah. And they probably need to be paired back to get you back in line with what your true risk tolerance would, would dictate. So if our executive producer over there, Phil, came in a couple years ago mm-hmm. and he had $100,000 and he said, I'm kind of moderately conservative, aggressive. I don't know mm-hmm. what I am. And Bubba says, well, how about 60-40? Right. 60% of this money, we're going to put 60000 in stocks and 40% in other things. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that now he's probably looking at his account and it's worth 130000 yeah. But if we look at the percentages, mm-hmm. he's got 70, 75% in stocks. That's correct. Because those have done so well, they've mm-hmm. taken over a percentage right. of those things that really didn't rise that yeah. much. Yeah. And now you think he needs to go back to 60, 40? I do, but here's the rub, though. Daddy Warbucks Phil over there is going to say, I really like the way those things have been performing. <laughs> Don't sell my And I winners. can't believe you want to sell them now. Don't right? sell that stock while, or that horse while it's running right. fast, Bubba. Yeah. It's psychologically hard to do. It's hard to do. But probably he should do mm-hmm. that, pair back, and then go look for something else to put that other 15% in. That's correct. Which may be he needs to add some real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at his in his situation, you know, 60s, 70s years old, uh, he might need some of that income that you're talking about, Newman. Right? Uh, I think that's that's right in our wheelhouse. So he needs the income and protect the principal. All right. It- so what are the things you guys, your your portfolio managers, are doing to protect the principal? You said they're you're, they're they're buying good stuff, right? Um, and they're diversifying among industrial and self-storage. and We actively manage the portfolio. Now, to okay. say that, that, and when I say that, is that uh, we do not manage chasing the, the big gains. Is okay. that we're saying we call it tailwinds and headwinds. Okay. As soon as we feel headwinds mm-hmm. in a sector, which we've talked about, is we get out. We move out almost overnight. So to give you an example of this, is that, 2015 retail 
commercial real estate mm -hmm. was the best performing commercial real estate asset class. Okay. So if we were chasing the gains and we were sticking in the winners, yeah, uh, we wouldn't be able to explain 2016, right? Second quarter, almost overnight, our fund managers decided to move from 30% retail down to 12%. We're now down to 4%. All right, so when you say retail, you're basically saying I'm saying like shopping centers, regional malls, malls that you know, sort of grocery thing. stores, grocery anchored retail, you know, uh -huh. even the nail salon and the, yeah. you know, the barber shop next door. But so to give you an example of that in 2016 is what happened in the fall of 2016. Uh -huh. well, Amazon came and bought Walmart. We started hearing about Macy's having trouble, uh -huh. Neiman Marcus uh -huh. having trouble. Yeah. Basically, retail started. Looking oh, like it had yeah, big black eyes. JC so, Penny, Sears, all those things. That's what we do. Yeah. Is that we tr we feel headwinds. We're not going to chase it and ride it all the way to the top. We're just going to get out. We want to protect your principal, collect okay. the rent checks, okay, and keep it steady. All right. And uh, how many shareholders you think are out there now that have have heard this? This particular story. Uh, well, let's let's go with, at it from this point of view. Uh, it, it, you're you're doing your job by by calling on advisors like us, right? Right. And you're you're covering what a few few states of, in America. How many states do you have? Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Louisiana. All right. So you you talk to people like us. Correct. All right. Um, many of us get the the message, hear it and share it um, to our clients uh, because we want them to have stability of principle for a certain portion of their portfolio. We want them to have income. And here in a couple minutes, we're gonna get in the next segment. We're gonna talk about taxes, about the tax efficiency yes. uh, of this. Yeah. Now this income, does this income, this five and a quarter percent, do I have to wait all year to get my five and a quarter to, or does it come in quarterly, monthly? It gets paid quarterly. Really? It does. All right. And it, it just follows wherever I hold the shares. Correct. Okay. Yep. And then I can have that money sent to me. You can have that money sent to you. You can have it sent back to your account. You could, you direct it. It's your money. You direct where it goes. Can I go back in and buy more shares? You sure can. Mm kind of a dividend reinvestment thing. Yeah. You know, if I don't necessarily need the money now, put it back in, buy a few more shares. No more powerful tool than compounding of an investment. Absolutely. Compounding which growth. means next year I'm probably going to have more shares to pay me more, which means that my income would go up, right? Rising income stream. Right. And, and many people are looking for that uh, in their retirement. Uh, you know, Bubba, I had a client that retired in 1984, okay? Retired in mm -hmm. 1984. Uh, when she retired in 1984, she was getting 11% on her CDs. Yep. You know, she got used to that income coming in. 11%. You know, if you had a million dollars, 11% means you made 110 grand that year. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yep. Uh, pretty, pretty nice. Yeah, it was really nice until it didn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. It was, it was wonderful until it wasn't. Right, right. And now, if she had left, thankfully we talked to her and she's gotten diversified and things are different in her life now. She had it all in CDs at one time. Mm -hmm. So now, um, you know, if she had had it all in CDs, hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be getting a third. Right. 
of her income. We had to find that income from somewhere because she needed to keep the lights on. Yeah. And along the way, we also need to be thinking about her tax situation mm -hmm. and what she thinks about her estate and other things that we had to deal with. We're going to go to break again here at the Advisors Roundtable. When we come back with Newman Rossi and Blue Rock, we're going to talk about the tax efficiency of this kind of investment here on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you on Super Talk Radio today talking about real estate with uh, uh, Blue Rock Dude. <laughs> Newman Rossi, I, I didn't call you Chris Catan. Chris Catan. No, I, I, I didn't, but uh, Bubba said a taller, better looking one, right? I did. There, yeah. there you go. So uh, along the way, we've talked about the portfolio and we've talked about the need for the diversification and having real estate within your portfolio and then uh, that sort of thing and, and income. But uh, am I going to pay tax on all of this five and a quarter percent? How does that work? So another great question. I think that, you know, tax is on top of people's mind right now mm -hmm. to how much tax are we going to have to pay. Mm -hmm. For every dollar you receive out of the portfolio, historically, 66% of that, so 66 cents of that, mm -hmm. you would not pay taxes on in the year received. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is at the time, if you decide to sell our portfolio, mm -hmm. you would pay long-term gain. So you take your ordinary income tax, mm -hmm. you're paying it, you know, the highest tax brackets, and I don't want to ram off, but you convert it to long-term gains. Now, if you think of this okay. as an estate planning tool, is it, yeah. say you just hold this, you buy this now, okay. and you hold it until you pass it along to your heirs. Right. That's 66%. Once it's passed along to the estate, that just became tax-free income. They don't uh, have to pay tax on it. Because of the step up? Correct. Okay. Uh, and I would say that's due to real estate is that, you know, if you're familiar with investment real estate is you can write off every single thing in a building. Looking around, you can write off drywall in seven years, light fixtures oh. in 10. You can write off the door. You can write off a doorstop. All those depreciating depreciation can, schedules, right? You can depreciate everything. When I say depreciation is, mm -hmm. it's a non. It doesn't come out of our pocket. Right. It's a non-cash expense, but the IRS allows us to do it, so we're going to pass it along to you. Okay. All right. So in my example earlier, where there's a hundred thousand dollars invested, and they get fifty-two hundred and fifty dollars worth of income. You're saying 66% of that, three or $4,000 of it, they're not paying tax on. About 3500 of that they're not paying taxes on. Man, that's pretty nice. So I'm going to get into the weeds a little bit. We talk about a tax equivalent yield, right? Right. right. And that's, that's one of those fancy terms. But mm -hmm. what would you have to make oh boy. to have a tax equivalent yield of five and a quarter percent, right? Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. it, you know, if... And if you're getting five and a quarter percent now, but mm -hmm. it's tax advantaged, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, if, if you had a higher yield, so to speak. But you paid a uh, hundred percent tax on of the that tax on that. So I, I'm going to give a, a CD as an example. Right. Uh, and just as a comparison here, right? right? But let's say that you made 1% on a CD. Mm -hmm. Well, 100% of that is taxable. Okay. Right. On the income. That's right. So, um, likewise, if you had real estate or whatever that was tax advantaged, mm -hmm. you would have to have a CD paying probably six and a half percent to get the tax equivalent yield of five and a quarter. Right. So I think it's tax advantaged income is the long way to say that. Sure. Sure. It really is. And you, you know, you got to have over 7% to be able yeah. to, because if your brother-in-law says, oh, you know, I make 6% on my investments, but he's paying 
tax on all of it, right. mm -hmm. then you're five and a quarter that you're not paying tax on 66% of it really nets you more money in your pocket at the end of the year. And that's what matters most. Uh, it is to me. <laughs> you know, I like the, the, the net kind of thing. Now, inside this portfolio that's given me this five and a quarter, you said we got industrial and, and, and one of the other things that you listed were these data centers. Will you tell me what the heck is a data center? I, you know, I, I got excited when I heard that uh, just because uh, of the way those work. Mm. I'm going to let Newman explain it, but um, uh, data centers, in my opinion, are probably some of the most efficient uses of real estate today uh, with probably some of the highest margins associated with it. I might be wrong with that, mm. but just my general perception of what I look at and the way those work. Okay. So... What is the cloud and what is a data center? No, the cloud is going to take me a lot longer okay. time than we <laughs> yeah. have time to talk about. Just existing, yeah. oh, floating above us. Yeah. Uh, a data center, though, is basically the cloud is, you know, when y you have the ability to sign up for a free email and have emails for the past 10 years, never have to delete one, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 30,000 emails sitting in your inbox. Where does that stuff all go? Who all serving that? Right. Well, a data center is a large warehouse. And it, air conditioning, minimal staff and employees, uh, air conditioning, electricity, and it is rows of servers, which look like the old the old computers we had back yeah. 20 years ago, mm -hmm. the old IBMs. That, With that little beeping lights everywhere. Little beeping yeah. lights everywhere, and it looks like something straight out of Terminator mm -hmm. Star Wars. However, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, a company, if you need your website to run faster, you need your, you need your company email to have more storage, you can rent boxes on the row you can have your own row it's basically one by one or a company can come in like the facebook or or google and say hey we need more storage and they can rent a whole row of them mm -hmm. it, the scale of it is it's pretty phenomenal yeah. is it the need is endless right the need doesn't go away mm -mm. uh and and frankly it's it's so you pull up that email that has 30,000 in there that you have never deleted. And Bubba says, you remember when you got that email last year from that guy in compliance? And I want to go up there and pull it up in the search. <clears throat> I'm relying that when I pull up the compliance guy's name, that somebody has kept up with that thing for me. Right. That that, that one email in those 30,000 that I haven't deleted that is somewhere, and then it will pop up on my comp computer screen. And it's in a server, in a computer, somewhere in Kansas City or where. Maybe South Haven, Mississippi, maybe Kansas City, Missouri. Maybe, yeah. And it's instantly available. Instantly available. All right. The well, thing that's unique about these data centers to me is the way that they're constructed. So it may be an older building, but they'll go in and rehab it. Uh, typically, they have raised floors yeah. to run all the wires underneath. Uh -huh. They've got dedicated uh, air conditioning and cooling systems because computers get hot, right, okay. when they run. Right. Uh, they typically have their own standby uh, generators and backup battery power so that they never go down. So they have redundancy. So yeah. if you know the local electricity goes down, Greg Cooley can still find his email from the compliance mm -hmm. guy from a year ago. Yeah. So uh, everything about the physical structure of the building <laughs> yeah. is unique to me. 
Mm-hmm. Not to mention the fact that when you get in there, um, they're they're ultra secure, and they have to be, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they've got armed guards on these uh, buildings. You've mm-hmm. got controlled, limited access on who can go in, and because some of the people renting some of the yeah. data, mm-hmm. maybe brokerage account or, or brokerage companies or right. banks. Correct. Right. Well, we all signed the privacy statement with everybody. That little yeah. spot, fine print is mm-hmm. that they're going to protect our information. Right. Yeah. And it's somewhere. And it and it may be in order to enter the building, you've got to go through one set. To get onto this other floor, you've got to go through another set of security. Mm-hmm. After you get into the storage room, you've got your own keys to get into your special little lock vault or whatever that has your computer racks on it. <laughs> So it, it's a it's a unique space to me, um, no pun intended, right? <laughs> yeah. um, right. But and and one that frankly I don't see going away anytime soon at all. Well, we're so dependent on it. Yeah. I mean, my little example of Greg Cooley's compliance email mm-hmm. is is just one little example of how we're so dependent on information. We had somebody break into a hunting cabin, mm-hmm. and we can see them. This is cool, uh, Newman. So we can see them. They broke broke into our hunting cabin, and Bubba had put up some cameras, and and you know they're being backed up to the web. Or, or the right. cloud or whatever. But the kid doesn't know that. He looks up there and he sees that camera and he goes, camera, and he reaches up, grabs it, throws it down, stomps on it. So he thinks that now he's basically killed his image. No, 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 no. no. We got an ongoing movie, buddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's still out there. And actually last week we had to go to court and, and show a bunch of that stuff. And and uh, your home, home security system is backing up to the cloud in some data center, and they may be paying Blue Rock some rent to be able to have that. Frankly, it's everything. It's your text messages, Mm -hmm. your your history, your call history log, every website you visit, it's all backing up Mm. to the cloud. And somebody's paying rent for that. Correct. Yeah. Man, I, I tell you, once you get in the weeds and start talking about these well-managed portfolios of industrial um, and commercial real estate, um, there's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. Everything from you know, retail to the cloud. Right. Uh, and it, it's good that you came and, and talked to us about it, Newman. It's always good to have you in the office, and uh, we thought it'd be great to have you um, on the show. So thanks a lot for being here. No, thank you for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, um, uh, really appreciate Blue Rock and everything you guys do for, uh, for, in, for investors out there. And so if you're listening and you're thinking about your portfolio or you're thinking about anything financial hopefully we discuss it here and uh we 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 touch on something that is important to you in your financial life here from the advisors roundtable on super talk radio
The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Mm-hmm. 